morning, church. God is good. And all the time. Amen. Would you please stand? If you can. Stand if you can. King of endless days, have mercy on us. We are continuously distracted by the hustle and bustle of worldly machinations. And we let our consciousness drift away from what is important. You. Then when you reappear, reappear on our horizons, we pay you lip service and quickly forget what you have given us. Lord, please forgive us our trespasses and lead us back to you in the heart of worship. Please help us to realize that everything is about you and no one else. Please help us to come to a deeper understanding of who you are and how we should act. Please help us to be open to your heart and love and to bow to the wisdom that you are God and that we are nothing without you. Thank you, Lord, for loving us and for giving us a chance to know you and to love you. Amen.
from Psalm 103. Praise the Lord, my soul. All my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all of your sins and heals all of your diseases? Who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion? Who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles? The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Praise the Lord, you his angels, who mighty ones, you mighty ones who do his bidding, who obey his word. Praise the Lord, all his heavenly hosts, you his servants who do his will. Praise the Lord, all his works, everywhere in his dominion. Praise the Lord, my soul. Amen.
draws near and my time has come Still my soul will sing your praise unending Ten thousand years and then forevermore Bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul Worship his holy name Sing like never before Oh my soul I'll worship your holy name Lord, I'll worship your holy name Lord, I'll worship your many good things in my life. Good friends and family, my wife Bonnie, my granddaughter Elena. My house is really loud. <laughs> I have a good job, a good home. God has blessed me over and over again. The blessings from God should never be taken lightly. Everything I have has come from his goodness and love. But I know that he can take it away in an instant, for he is God. Job 121, Job 121. <laughs> naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will depart. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. Would it be pleasant to lose everything? Certainly not. But remember that life on earth is temporary and our lives after death will be forever. God is here for us no matter what. His plan is incomprehensible and that's okay. Like Job, don't abandon God when things get tough. Keep him in your heart and he will return your devotion a thousandfold. Whether this life or the next... Count your blessings, yes, but remember, God's love is the only blessing that is permanent. When upon life's billows you are tempest-tossed, when you are discouraged thinking all is lost, count your many blessings. Thank you. 
Responsive reading with me. Oh, there we go. Okay. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. It is not life more than food, and the bodies more than clothes. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or stow away in barns. Yet in your heavenly Father feeds them. You are not much more valuable than they. Can any one of you, by worrying a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you, that not even Solomon in his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, you'll not much more clothe you, you of little faith. So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows what you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So... so so seek ye first the kingdom of God, and he shall provide for you. Work towards his greatness, and he will make your life rich beyond measure. Riches and wealth are nothing compared to the feeling of satisfaction and contentment born of service to the Lord. Don't worry about where your next meal will come from, for worrying does nothing. Trust in God. Do his work. Keep God in your thoughts, prayers, and actions and let his love melt away the fears, tension, and anxieties born of earthly schemes. Thank you. The verse that gets me in there is two verses that gets me in there, which is one of the reasons why I chose this, is that um, uh, worrying doesn't add any hours to our life. Isn't that true? 
And for, for us guys, it makes our hair fall out and turn gray, right? Ladies' hair never turns gray, correct? <laughs> Only Claire Old knows for sure. And the other one is seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added unto you. And so uh, it really ties in with the uh, passage in Ecclesiastes uh, that we're going to look at today. And um, hopefully, hopefully, uh, uh, the Lord will speak to us through that passage because uh, it talks about many people's favorite subjects, money, right? Um, you realize the Bible uh, talks more about money than it does about hell? And there's a reason for that, okay? Uh, and you'll see the reason as we unpack this uh, uh, this paragraph, if you will, uh, from Ecclesiastes. And so, uh, as we as we go forward, excuse me. I'll say this before we go to prayer, and whoever's going to help with the offering, if you would come forward. Um, Many of you know I had flying lessons when I was in college. I loved it, right? Uh, it a Cessna, a small plane, and then I flew a Bonanza. And I even had some co-pilot hours on a, um, a jet simulator, which was, <laughs> it was, everything happens fast on a jet. Uh, that's all I can tell you. But, you know, as, as, I, as, as I do that and as I say that, um, There's an old saying in, in, in uh, aviation, it's always, the sun always shines above the clouds. Always. And, you know, I, I only flew once up until college, and that was uh, to go down to Florida. Uh, and it's right, you know, when we took off, I actually took off, it was snowing here in Newark, and we got above the clouds, it was beautiful. It was absolutely gorgeous. Uh, and I think that's a really good picture of how God can raise us up over the worry. Now, listen, it's okay to be concerned about stuff, but to worry really is a sign of unbelief. And we really have to you know, wrestle with that. I'm guilty of it. I'm sure everybody's been guilty of it. Uh, but we really have to take care. Um, I also wanted to fly a helicopter. I never got the chance to do that because theoretically helicopters aren't supposed to fly. It always fascinated me. And um, uh, theoretically, a church our size is never supposed to fly. And what I'm saying by that is this, God always lifts us up and he provides. So be encouraged, be encouraged. Let's pray. Father, as we come before you in prayer, we're grateful for the many blessings that you give us. Whether we have a lot or a little, Father, it all comes from your hand. And so, Father, thank you. And we thank you, Father, for the food on the table, for the, the houses, the shelter, the incomes you provide. We thank you, Father, uh, for the blessings of family. We thank you, Father, for uh, just the blessings of seeing a sunrise and enjoying a day, and Father, seeing a sunset, beautiful. 
We thank you for the blessing, Father, on a clear night where we can see the stars of the universe, too many to count. And when we reflect on that, we read in Scripture, you placed everyone just where you wanted it. And so, Father, we thank you. The heavens and the earth shout to your glory. Everywhere we look, Father, we can see your handiwork, whether it's out at the beach or in the mountains or on the plains, uh, uh, in our farmlands. That's all your good hand. And so, Father, we thank you for the many blessings. We ask, especially today, for prayer for um, our brother Tom, that um, uh, this infection would clear up and there would be no further complications. Uh, comfort him as um, he's still at the hospital, Father, and we just pray that uh, whatever they do is the right thing and will clear up this, this whole matter. Uh, I continue to pray for my brother and Gloria, Father, who have been through so much. And Father, we just ask that um, for your wisdom and how to go forward, and uh, we ask for healing also for both. And Father, I, I pray for the unspoken requests today, uh, people who come in burdened, and Father, you know what that burden is. So we pray today you, you meet the need. We pray today, Father, that you comfort and where challenge is needed, Father, challenge. But as we continue to worship, Father, we worship first repenting of our sin, confessing it to you. And Father, help us to turn from it and turn to you by faith. So, Father, we pray for the offering now. May you bless it. Thank you for sustaining us. And, Father, we'll give you all the glory. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. We'll wait upon you now for tithes and offerings. You can sing the chorus. Great is thy faithfulness. Thursday night good singing but his faithfulness is great amen if you have your Bibles if not it'll be up on uh, on the screen uh, we're going to be looking at Ecclesiastes 5 uh, verses 8 through 20 
excuse me, and then following this, we'll, we'll come around the Lord's table. Okay, I'm going to give you a big news flash. You ready? Wherever there's power and greed, there's corruption. Big news flash, right? We see it every day. Wherever there's power and greed, there's corruption. And power and greed are one of those things when people yield to that and get caught up with it, it's never enough. If they get some power, they want more power. They, if they get money, they want more money. And it almost becomes an addiction because it, it, it's just never enough. And they, you know, when, when we let power and greed creep into our lives, there can't be any satisfaction anymore. Rockefeller was interviewed one day, and the uh, interviewer said, uh, Mr. Rockefeller, uh, what, when do you have enough money? And he said, after the next million. We have been conditioned, I'm afraid, by a worldview that says uh, uh, you, you are entitled. You are entitled. And unfortunately, uh, I, and I talked about this before, because of the cultural worldview, the uh, American dream, um, which uh, you know, this country prospered on, was, was corrupted. And it was corrupted in this way uh, the American dream, you know, it was to better yourself by hard work. It's called the Judeo-Christian ethic. Um, it, it, it calls for hard work, people saving, uh, living within their means, and being content within their means. And now it has come, you know, listen, the advertisers do a good job because they get you to spend money on things you don't need with money you don't have. I heard this past week the, the individual American debt, that's people now, not the government, is at an all-time high. Some of, the, some of it is because of inflation, right? Some of it could be just from reckless spending. And so, you know, we have to be careful because our culture defines success as having a lot of money. It defines success as having a lot of things. But in a lot of instances, unfortunately, especially when power and greed combine, how you get your wealth doesn't matter whether it's legal or illegal or who you have to ruin to get it. We, we, we've seen it. All you have to do tonight, if you want to see it, is turn on the news, and, and you will see it. Since the fall of Adam, power and money have been big problems. Isn't that right? <laughs> the root of all sin is pride, power, greed at any cost. 
when we remove God from these issues, there is a much higher chance that things, uh, these things will show up in government and personal lives. Do you ever wonder why the government wanted to separate itself from God? Do you ever think about that? Because sometimes it seems that they don't think they're going to be accountable. And I think sometimes they think the things they do will never be discovered. And so it, it, this applies not only to government but to, to individuals also, right? Uh, we need to be careful. You know, as a result, we see the poor being abused by the powers of the government and special interests. And it's, it's, it, it sets up a, a culture in which, how can I say this? Um, it sets up a culture in, in which as long as the powers are satisfied, they forget about serving the people. And they're gonna, and they're gonna get more and more and more because of the greed. Does that make sense? All right. Uh, in this passage, Solomon speaks about this issue of the love of money. Money's not bad. If you have it, that's great, okay? But what is bad is the love of money. Isn't that what Jesus says? The love of money is the root of all sin. And so the issue here is the love of money and power. He wants us to learn some valuable lessons about a world where God is disregarded. I was sharing with some people that, that uh, I might even have said it before, that uh, the Bible mentions money more than it mentions hell. And I've always said to people, and I don't want to see anybody's, but I've always said to people, show me your checkbook and I'll show you where your priorities are. Show me your calendar and I'll show you where your priorities are. Sometimes I feel like asking some of the powers, show me your checkbook. You know, that will never happen. So look at this. Let's go into the passage. This is Solomon now. Solomon's showing some of his wisdom now. He gets these, these snapshots of wisdom that he wants to relate to us because of what he's seen. He, try, he tried to live life apart from God, and he's finding out it doesn't work, okay? He says, if you see the poor oppressed in a district and justice and rights denied, do not be surprised at such things. You know why he says that? Because we're all sinful. Isn't that right? And sinful people will do sinful things without God. For one official is eyed by one higher, and over both of them are others still higher. This is a picture of, of a bureaucracy. Have any of you had to deal with the government at all? You will get switched around at least 50 times before you get to the right person, right? Uh, if you ever get to the right person. Everything's a bureaucracy. I remember uh, in my last church, we did some renovations, and the inspector would come out and said, no, you got to correct this, this, and this. Okay. We correct it. 
Then the inspector would come out again and say, well, now you got to correct this, 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 and this. I said, why can't you give us the whole list? <laughs> yeah, you're laughing. I know, right? <laughs> right? And, you know, I'm, I'm saying, do they do this because they get paid every time they come out? I don't know. But, you know, you, you get caught up in bureaucracy. Uh, it, listen, I love our, our armed forces, the Army, Navy, Marines, um, the, the Coast Guard, and all the armed forces, great people, uh, people who are willing to lay their lives on their line, on the line, and also law enforcement, okay? But sometimes the bureaucracy they have to put up with is unbelievable. You know, there's a famous saying uh, in the Army, if you're a doctor, they'll make you a mechanic. And vice versa. If you're a mechanic, they'll make you a doctor. There is a connection, by the way, right, Doc? Yeah, there is a connection. So Solomon's saying, look, if you see this bureaucracy and it's corrupt, don't be surprised. Because this is what happens when we lose sight of God and his word. All right? Now, he's not condoning it. He's just saying, don't be surprised. Now, in, in, in saying that, he's kind of exposing what's re what reality is. Listen, there's a principle. And the principle is this. When, when governments get corrupt, it becomes obviously dysfunctional. Uh, let me, let me uh, define dysfunction. Every, everybody has dysfunction, everyone, okay? That means we face problems, okay? Uh, to become dysfunctional means you don't address the problems and address them correctly. Once, once a system is dysfunctional, where there's obvious problems uh, that they're profiting from, they don't want to address it, number one. And number two, they will do everything they can to preserve it. That works not only in government, it works in families. It works in churches. It works in the workplace, all right? So if you see poor and oppressed in the district and, and justice and rights denied, do not be surprised at such things. For one official is eyed by a higher one and over them are others still higher. It says the increase from the land is taken by all. In other words, they all want their hands in your pockets, right? They all want your hand. Uh, you know, we, we were uh, talking first time that my, my son got a job uh, in high school and he got his first paycheck. You know, he looked at it and he said, where did all the money go? <laughs> well, guess where it went? Guess where it went? The king himself profits from the fields. Whoever, sorry, whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. This too is meaningless. Those who are wealthy and have no relationship with God really don't know how to handle the wealth in a proper way. 
This is a big problem in major league sports. It's a big problem in the NFL. It's a big problem in baseball. It's a big problem in football and soccer. You know why? Because you're getting 20-year-olds coming out, getting big bonuses, getting paid well, and they don't have the maturity or the worldview to handle money correctly. So they get in trouble. They get in trouble with drugs. They get in trouble with uh, women. They get in trouble with uh, cars speeding on the parkway at 140 miles an hour with a police escort. And you know, I mean, you remember those things. A couple of giants, right? Not Dallas Cowboys. We're we're okay with the Cowboys, right? But a couple of giants, you know, coming down the parkway with with the state police ex- escorting them. You try it. You'll end up in jail, right? So you see this, these disparities, and you know, even listen. I, I love sports, right? I, I like the Yankees, even though they're playing horribly right now. But uh, you know, I like the Yankees. But I'm looking at Aaron Judge. A couple of years ago, Aaron Judge was nobody, right? He, I mean, he worked hard. He's a great athlete, no question about it. But inevitably, when these guys have good years, they ask for money that. I'm sorry, nobody deserves. No one deserves it. You know, it, it, it gets so out of hand. There is a couple of pitchers that, uh, uh, who played for the Yankees, people who had some, a moral compass, if I could say that. And after they had a bad year, they were willing to take a, a pay cut. You almost never hear about that anymore, right? We want more. We want more. Whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied. Have you ever met an owner of a business? Have you? Have you, have you ever met uh, an owner of the business who never rested, who never took time out, who never... Uh, said, you know, hey, I got to take care of himself. I, I, I was in the business world be- before I went to seminary. I can tell you this, that the love of money takes over your life. I've seen divorces happen because of the love of money. On both sides, by the way. I saw... Uh, uh, People get hooked on, um, what do you call, tranquilizers because of the stress. That's why Salma says this too is meaningless. You know, there was a, um, a man by the name of uh, uh, John Dalberg, D-A-L-B-E-R-G, or doubt, no, it was John Acton, A-C-T-O-N. He coined uh, the most current, uh, uh, the most current phrase. It has its roots going way back. But this, this comes from a letter written to um, Bishop Mendel Crichton in 1887. And it was Acton uh, warning Crichton about the hierarchy in the church. And this is what he said. Power tends to corrupt 
And that absolute power crap, uh, corrupts absolutely. Let me read that again. Power tends to corrupt, and absolute power corrupts absolutely. Whoa. What Solomon was observing among the Jewish people was a violation of the Deuteronomic law. Deuteronomy and Leviticus both say that uh, you should never, ever abuse or oppress people because of the love of money. You see, God or Solomon doesn't condone this behavior. You know, it's better to have a government rather than an anarchy, but the best is when officials adhere to a moral compass that God has established. Government's not bad. It is, it is when they try to do government without God. And that's what's happening these days, isn't it? We do government without God. We're all over the place. Up until about 1965, a, uh, I was alive then, okay? Uh, up until 1965, the, the morals of our um, country, culturally, ran pretty concurrent with the morals of the Bible. There were, there were a few blips here and there, right? But after 1965, you know, when, when prayer was taken out of school, and it start and and you know gradually gradually this whole thing myth about separation of church and state which we'll go into another time it was never intended for the government not to be influenced by god okay uh, the morals of our country took a rapid detour away from the morals of the Bible. It really started in my generation, okay? And we need to be aware of that because now there is, you know, for the most part, and thank God for Christians who are in the Senate and, and the, uh, the House of Representatives because, you know, they're, they're, they're doing the best they can, I'm sure, but you have to stand on principles. Whose principles? The principles of the scripture, God's principles. As, as you govern, governors are supposed to govern fairly. They're supposed to do what's, you serve the people fairly. And they're not supposed to be in it for personal wealth. Let me bring you through this, we're running out of time. As goods increase, those who consume them uh, so do those who consume them. And what benefit are they but to the owners except to feast their eyes on them? I'm going to put this in a little bit more uh, our vernacular. Uh, early in college, I, I was at the end of my uh, freshman year in college. Uh, my brother and I sold a house up in Rutherford, and we moved down to Bricktown. Uh, we had an apartment in Bricktown. And I had friends I didn't realize I had. And here's why. You got a place at the shore? We, we can come down for the weekend, can't we? And I say, you never bothered with me before. Why would you want to come down on the weekend, you know? Uh, it, it was, I had more friends than I can count. 
because I lived at the Jersey Shore. Listen, it was no big deal for me. I hated it when I moved down here. I'll be very honest with you. Because I, you know, I was used to North Jersey. I was 10 minutes from New York City. And you know, when I came down here, after 5 o'clock at night, back when I moved down here, it was like, are there people? <laughs> you know? Is bedtime 4.30? I, you know, I, I, I don't know. It was strange. But, you know, when, when you have something that people want, you're going to have friends you never knew. Think about, think about people who win the lottery. And in a lot of states now, you can, you can remain anonymous. If you didn't rena- uh, remain anonymous, you'd have people knocking at your door. You know, uh, Billie Holiday, in 1956, wrote and recorded a song, and Blood, Sweat, and Tears really made it popular. It's called God Bless the Child, right? It's a good song if you ever want to listen to it. And here's one of the lines from it. And when you got money, you got lots of friends crowding around your door. When the money's gone and all the spending ends, and, uh, and all the spending ends, they won't be around anymore no 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 and riches rich relations may give you a crust of bread and such you can help yourself but don't take too much wow listen wealth doesn't provide security either right you know, look at the crazy housing market. You know, two months ago, my house was worth about fifty thousand dollars more than it's worth today. Uh, yeah, and uh, look at the crazy stock market. You know, here today, gone tomorrow. I mean, that's that's the fact. The sleep of a laborer is sweet, whether they eat what little or much. You know what this is saying? When you when you have a person who is who's working for their living, it is sweet because they earned what they got. Whether they have a little or much, they're happy. But as for the rich, their abundance permit, permits them no sleep. Who's stealing from me? Right? Who's stealing from me? I have seen a grievous evil under the sun. Wealth hoarded to the harm of its owners. And what Solomon is saying here is, look, you want to hoard wealth, in the end, you're the one that's going to uh, suffer. You're going to suffer ulcers and high blood pressure and possibly broken family relationships. Uh, and, And again, being wealthy is no sin. But when it becomes your God and your idol, now we're on dangerous ground. Or wealth lost through some misfortune. And Solomon's saying the same thing I just said. You have it and it can go away. It can go away. There are people now, I understand, who try to take your house without even knowing it. 
Can you imagine working hard for your house, getting the mortgage paid off, and finding out that somebody else now has your house? I mean, this is terrible. So that when they have children, there is nothing left for them to inherit. Wow. Yeah. This, um, Job repeats this, uh, as Chip said before, but he repeats this too. Everyone comes naked from their mother's womb, and as everyone comes, so they shall depart. You can't take you all to the grave. You can't take your bank book to the grave. They take nothing from their toil that they can carry in their hands to the grave, right? This too is a grievous evil. As everyone comes, so they depart, and what do they gain since they toil for the wind? All the days they eat in darkness. This is a terrible picture. This is what happens when money, greed, and power become your idol. Um, they eat in darkness with great frustration, affliction, and anger. This is what I have observed to be good. Now Solomon is saying, listen to this. It is appropriate for a person to eat, to drink, and to find satisfaction in their toilsome labor under the sun during the few days of life God has for them. This is their lot. In other, word, in other words, he's saying, look, whether you realize it or not, your, your job came from God. And your work, then, is now permitting you to put food on the table, to keep a roof over your house, to put clothes on you. And we should be grateful and enjoy those blessings for all the days God gives us. You know, I turned 70 back in January, and I said, when did that happen? <laughs> right? I mean, I'm on the downhood, downward slope. But I'll tell you this, as I get older, every day is precious. It is precious. It gives me time with my family. It gives me time to minister. It gives me uh, time to enjoy God's creation. And that's why at the end of this, I, I, I put count your blessings. Well, not at the end, but uh, we say count your blessings. Name them one by one. Did you ever try that? It's a good exercise to do every once in a while. And you find out that God has blessed you more than you ever anticipated. Remember, both poverty and riches have their problems. The love of money always leads to problems, just as the refusal to work leads to problems. Whatever work we do, we need to do it for the glory of God. And we need to be content with what we have. I'm just happy to have a car that starts and doesn't break down. And we choose to have one car because we live within a budget, okay? Uh, so, uh, God forbid anything happens to the car, then at least, you know, we'll have the resources to fix it or whatever needs to be done to it. But... Uh, I'm okay with a Kia. 
I mean, I wouldn't mind a Corvette. <laughs> Actually, I would. I don't like Corvettes, but, uh, you know, I, I, I wouldn't mind a Mercedes, but, you know, the, the Kia gets me around just as good as any other car, you know? So, um, look at this. Moreover, when God gives someone wealth and possessions and the ability to enjoy them, to accept their lot and be happy in their toil, this is what? A gift from God. The majority of the people in the United States of America do not like their jobs. Now, I'm not saying that you shouldn't better yourself. You know, I'm not saying any of that. What I'm saying is where you are, you are, and we need to be content, and if God gives us the opportunity to legitimately better ourselves, then we take it, right? And then be content. And here's the problem. They seldom reflect on the days of their life because God keeps them occupied with gladness of heart. I call this the, the midlife crisis antidote right midlife crisis by the way is not just for uh males females go through it too and uh it says they they seldom reflect on the days of their lives you know all midlife crisis is gee you know i don't where what age is midlife now i don't even know yeah maybe 35 40 okay and all of a sudden you look back and you say I'm not where I want to be. I'm not real happy about that. And you, you dwell on that, and that can become paralyzing. But when we have a right view of work, we have a right view of the blessings of God, God keeps us occupied with gladness of heart. So we don't look backwards, we look forward. Now we can learn from our mistakes, no question about it, but we don't want to live there, right? Surely goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life, right? Not your failure, not your sin. They've been taken care of on the cross. And what you have following you is God's goodness and mercy. I'll take that any day. I'll take that any day. Here's where I think we have to start. We need to view work God's way. Now, I know some of you are retired, um, and that's, that's okay, but God still has work for you, right? Guy I know said, yeah, I'm retired now. Now I have no time. Um, and there's, there's, sometimes there's truth to that. Um, but when we view work uh, from God's, uh, God's view, we can enjoy our work and be content where we are in life. We need to thank God for his many blessings. Very specifically, we need to count them. First, our salvation through Christ. First and foremost, we don't deserve that. That is the richest blessing you and I have. Money can't buy it. Christ bought it for us. He redeemed us. 
honest work to earn an honest living and enjoy the fruit of our labors. This is the day that the Lord has made. Finish it. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. This is a gift from God. So as we come around the Lord's table, I just wrote down some things to take away uh, from this as we come around the Lord's table. Maybe these will help you. To do what Solomon suggests here, which is right, means we have to humble ourselves before God. We have to realize that the blessings that come into our lives are from the hand of God. Even if we work hard, he gave us the strength to work hard. Uh, even if we are, make good business decisions or investments, he gave us the wisdom to do it. And we need to come in humility and say, you know, the wealth doesn't belong to me. It's all yours. It's all yours. And it needs to be used for his glory, whether it's to support the family, um, give to the church, uh, to help out people in need. That, that is, how can I say this? That is a, being a good steward of the wealth God gives to us. Now, nothing wrong with planning the future. You know, you can plan retirement, you can save, and, and all, but is there a difference between saving and hoarding, right? Difference between saving and hoarding? If you ask the, the Holy Spirit, you'll know when you cross that line. You know, we need to be in submission to God. We need to come to him in confession and repentance. And we need to ask forgiveness for when we get sucked into the world. Isn't that what Paul says? Do not be conformed to the mold of this world. Rather, be transformed by the renewing of your mind, proving what God's will is, good and perfect. In other words, don't let the world tell you what to do. Let the Word of God tell you what to do and how to do it. And last, we need to be servants. When God called us through Jesus Christ, he didn't call us to be served. He called us to be servants. If we have a servant mentality, then we will use whatever resources God gives to us for his glory because we're serving him and other people. You know, um, I, I have to, um, when I meet people like that, and I don't want to embarrass anybody, but there's one, one here today who has a boat, and uh, he, he shall remain nameless, uh, but he uses that boat for God's glory. Uh, and, you know, that's, that's a good thing, right? That's a good thing. Um, my car. You know, I get in the car, yeah, it takes me where I need to go and all, but I use it for God's glory. You're driving. Uh-oh. You're driving should be for God's glory. Not telling anybody else they're number one. 
We need to come with servanthood to do his will. So as we go to communion, I'm just going to ask we take some time to reflect. Give God the glory for what he has given you. Also ask him for the contentment to enjoy what you have and the peace that can only come from God through a settled relationship with him through faith in Jesus Christ. So I'm going to ask the men uh, to come who are serving communion. Paul says in uh, 1 Corinthians, this is a time of reflection. It's a time to let the word of God, the spirit of God examine our hearts. A time where for Christ followers, we can come clean before God. Don't hide anything. He knows it already. But he wants to hear it from us. And we say to him, Lord, I blew it. For, and you got to be very specific. Forgive me for losing my temper. Forgive me for whatever it is, very specifically. Help me turn from that. That's repentance. And help me to serve you. So as the bread is, is passed out, and I think we have the cups too if you, if you want uh, both. I'll ask you to hold the bread and we'll partake at the same time, okay? Jesus is always the teacher, and at that uh, Passover supper, the last supper, he took bread and he gave thanks, and he said to his disciples, this is the symbol of his body which will be broken for them, for us. I was just reading again this week how he was whipped and abused physically beyond recognition his body was broken on the way to the cross. He says, when you take this, do this in remembrance of him. Would you take, please? I'll ask the men to pass out the cup, and would you hold it, and we'll, we'll partake together.
in our culture, the um, the poorest of us, by the standards of the world, are still rich. But what makes us really rich is our salvation. Do you realize that uh, when God calls us home or he returns again, I, I should say, you're going to have a house that's paid for? You realize that? You're never going to have to repair anything. You're never going to have to paint it. Do you realize you'll have a body with no more pain? No more suffering. And you realize that in, uh, in heaven, we don't battle with sin anymore. It's been totally conquered. I can't imagine that, this side of heaven. But I know it's true. He sealed the deal, if I could put it that way, with his blood. Not only the deal for what's coming, but here and now. Because we can know total forgiveness. We can know that we have a dual citizenship here on earth and in heaven. The moment we believe. And that's the rub, isn't it? Right? We're live, it's like living between two worlds. But we also know that he loved us so much he was willing to shed his blood for us so that our sins may be atoned for and forgiven and a new covenant being ratified that he will never leave us or forsake us. He says, when you drink this, do this in remembrance of him. We're going to wait upon you for the uh, Benevolence Fund offering to help uh, those in need if you're so led to give. And then um, right after the offering, we're going to ask Melissa to come up uh, and chip. We have, um, uh, we're going to end with a song. It's, it's an old song. It's called Seek, Seek Ye First. And as, as the plates go around, let me reread that verse to you. I want to suggest to you, this is from the Sermon on the Mount, by the way. It's where this verse comes from. In everything we do, this is my commentary, if we put God and his kingdom first, we'll never go wrong. That's why Jesus says, but first seek his king, excuse me, and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Excuse me. Each day has enough trouble of its own. <laughs> you know, listen, God is not Santa Claus, okay? We have to understand that, but there is a sense where God knows what's coming. And if he's not worried about it, why should I be? Right? We could be concerned, but we shouldn't worry. Amen? God is good. And all the time. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. So as our musicians come up, I'm going to ask you to stand, please, if you can.
Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. I just looked at the time. I'm sorry for going over today, but uh, I think God had some good stuff for us today. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for all the blessings. We thank you for the air conditioning that we can have here. and We thank you for this facility, Father, even though it's not a tradi traditional building as a church, the church still meets here, Father. And we thank you. We thank you for all the provision. We thank you for our great salvation in Jesus Christ. And Father, would you release us in the power of your Holy Spirit, seeking to, for uh, giving us the power, Father, to seek to glorify you in everything we do as we seek your kingdom and honor you. We pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, that is pretty good. You're dismissed. Have a great week.